Well, we had some plans for the show, but the Avs demanded that we throw them out. So here we go. Safe to say this top line is the best in the league. Yeah, we are. Racing and shoots and scores! Nathan McKinnon! And after 22 years, Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for April 10th or April 11th or whatever, 2021, the show before the trade deadline. And the Avs just picked up Devin Dubnik, and we'll talk about that. And some hockey games that happened, but I really wish they hadn't. And Patrick Nemeth is back? Sure, why not? But you know who else is back? Earl 06. Hello, Earl. Hello, friends. And also joining us as usual is Jackie. How are you? I'm drinking. So literally 50 minutes before we went to record this episode of the show, the Colorado Avalanche dealt Greg Pattern in a fifth to the San Jose Sharks to Devin Dubnik. Uh, we're we're going to get into the trades, but first let's reopen the wounds that were this week's hockey game, shall we? Any like snap reactions to this? Because people are being very loud. They have seven goalies under contract now. Isn't it eight with Justice Annanen? I guess. Is he a real person? <laughs> he might be. I there, guess you're right. He could come over. There's only a yeah. couple of people that we're really sure aren't real people. Um, and one of those was decided by the Patrick Nimitz trade. <laughs> On Monday, the Avs start their travel-heavy April with a 5-4 win in Minnesota after failing to show up in the first period. Nathan McKinnon, Andre Burakovsky, Brandon Sod, and JT Comfer all score in the second, and Gabe Landeskog adds the game winner later on the power play. Uh, but Colorado gave up two power play goals of their own very late in the third, and we've been talking about this for a bit now, how the PK is super inflated by goaltending, and it very nearly cost them here. It is funny yeah. that Minnesota's 8% power play got on track this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they went 6 for 11 in the two games. That's not a good reflection. Um you know, we do, I, I'll, we'll take the first game, like the, the two late goals. Um, you know, it's like Bednar was explaining that it started with sort of a, a dumb play and a dumb penalty, and that sort of let Minnesota back into it, and that made the third a little more contentious than it needed to be. And, you know, I kind of agree with that. So <clears throat> if this was just sort of a matter of course type of power play, um, getting back on track i'd be a little more you know fine with it um but they just you know they couldn't hold the lead there it was almost like they were turtling and you know that's something we haven't seen all year so i'm i'm that, that was a little troubling i remember that game it's kind of three different parts to it like yeah the first Minnesota had a good start, and it, it it did feel like it was going to be one of those low-scoring games. I didn't necessarily feel like the Avs were definitely going to lose after going down one to nothing, but it just felt like one of those where after you see a bunch of games where they score a lot of goals, and everyone thinks they're going to score like like that all the time, and sometimes that scoring does come down to earth and becomes a little bit more difficult. So I felt like it was going to be a tighter game. And then the second they come out and they just dominate and they get, what was it, four or five goals? I don't remember. And and it was like, okay, this is the abs again. And then that third, I'm, I'm not really sure if it was a turtle. It was just probably more the theme of the rest of the week creeping in, the sloppiness. 
Yeah. And, and they were able to hold on, thankfully. But and a lot of a lot of people are attributing that to them being tired, and you know that's understandable. I mean, they you know they played every other day for like you know a month and a half now. Um, and there's another month to go. But it's and there yeah exactly, and it's like I you know if that's an excuse, it is what it is. But it just you know they they've got to learn how to handle that better. I mean, it's like if they're getting tired now, you know you've well, got to figure asked... a way to rest better or. We've no. asked for load management. Like guys like Bill Mayer do not need to play every game, and and it's really the top guys that need rest. And nobody's suggesting like you just don't play Macar or something like that. Like that's that's not realistic. But there needs to be a better balance there. There needs to be, and you know, when we get in the trade, maybe allegedly that Nemeth is for that. But it's just that's not the way Bednar operates. Like. He wants to put his guys out there in every situation and win every game. And we all want to win every game, but I don't think getting tired is just an excuse just because we can see the lack of execution. Like, Taze has lost his brain this week. Sam yeah. hasn't been able to hold hold on to the puck for like two or three weeks. And, and we have speculated some sort of minor upper body injury. Maybe, maybe not, but you can see it getting to these guys. Yeah. And I mean, um, and, and you, your, your brain just stops working when you get super exhausted too. I mean, this is just kind of like, this is a really reasonable result that you can expect from playing 28 minutes of NHL hockey every four or four times a week for six weeks. Like you, you cannot play these guys as much and then act surprised when things start to fall apart a little bit. Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, the defense is what it is. I mean, I, I think they're they're just painted themselves into a corner uh, with that. But the the top line having a kind of mediocre week, uh, especially five on five. You know, that's your how how do you manage that load? Because it's basically, you know, when you have a fourth line that you don't want to play as much, like you know when O'Brien's on it. Um, you know, it's like you're asking those guys to make up you know, two minutes, a minute. You know, and it's like that adds up really quick when you're. Playing yeah, that's why it night. matters. That's that's why playing these plugs that they've been playing, and it's like it doesn't matter. They they can still win, no yeah. matter who's in the lineup. I mean, when you're putting in, yeah, we, we got to Middleton, or we were at O'Brien, and then we were at Burroughs, and now we're at Middleton, and it's like you're not even playing NHL quality players, and it doesn't matter. Right, the team is so good, you can still win, right? But and you it, it, can't it, give them real minutes either, and that's why it matters. That's why it matters in the playoffs, right? And it, it's one of those just because you can doesn't mean you should kind of things. You know, I, I you know, if they needed to find out what they had in the NHL with Burroughs and Middleton, then oh, you know, okay, um, you know now. Um, same with O'Brien. Like I, you know, O'Brien started out. I thought his first game was okay, and he's he's tailed off. He's common. So I mean, it's like it's it, it's really tough to deal with. You know, the guy that you can only play six or seven minutes a night, um, especially on defense. Um, it's really just uh, hard I, to see that, like, as anything more than devil, devil's advocacy. To be honest, because if you if you see Burroughs and Middleton and you think, boy, I wonder what we have in the NHL here, 
I'm not sure that we're watching the same sport. Right. I mean, Middleton should have never had an NHL contract to begin with. Like, there was no, no, no need to question, like, what does this guy look in the NHL? It, it's, it really, it makes no sense. No, but we're ahead and of ourselves just... on Middleton. Um, but it's, <laughs> but it's, it's definitely just like an ongoing theme that we've talked about many times of trying not to overplay guys. But like, if, if you're overplaying them because you have no faith in the players at the bottom of the lineup, yeah, who, which names are there is probably irrelevant. But if it's someone that you can't trust to take on a re, like a regular fourth line amount of minutes instead of three, or giving Dan Renouf six, like, <laughs> then what are we doing here? Yeah. yeah. Then you could play a prospect, right? Then it doesn't matter. Then. <laughs> If the name is irrelevant, then absolutely. Yeah, and I, I get that. All right, there's there's time invested in these guys that that doesn't show up in the, the time on ice during a game. It's like you know they have to go through practice and learn everything. You're just going to start over if you start bringing up more guys. But um, yet they keep doing that. And yet they keep doing it, and it's you know they've gone through. Is Nemeth going to be 15 defensemen? Yes. I think. Yeah, so, all right, they've gone through 14 defensemen this year. And according to Altitude, their record is 16. So who do they still have in the AHL who has an NHL contract who hasn't played yet? I don't think anybody. No, no they yeah. played everyone. Well, maybe they're um, not done trading then. <laughs> oh, God, no. Please, I can't. I can't. I we're, can't take any more. We're just I going really for the can't. record here. I guess you could start Clarem's contract early. Uh, <laughs> I don't th- actually. I don't think that can be changed. Believe it or not. Oh yeah. I don't think it um. can. <laughs> I mean, still Lieberman. They, they, exactly. they could ju- They could just play like. I don't, who could they play as a defender? Like just pick a forward and play him as a defender, and you got your record done. <laughs> um, but yeah. It, it, I mean, they, they've gone soup to nuts on their defensemen. It's like, you, you know, right now, you should know exactly what you have out of each guy. Um, and I realize, you know, maybe someone like Gilbert, you're not totally sure yet, but you kind of are. Uh, you know, it's just it's funny like, that that's the reasoning, but yet, like, Bowers can't get a game. It's just hilarious. Yeah. It's the reasoning that they... They want to get, which I would normally agree with. You want to get people up. You want to get them games so they're familiar so that when you need them in the playoffs, these guys are ready. That has been my argument. But it's just hilarious. It doesn't apply to anybody that's, you know, on an ELC. It doesn't apply to anybody who has a ceiling. Except for McDonald, who no one expected to do what he's done. Yeah. So, anyway, keeping in the struggle PK theme, on Wednesday, the Avs' point streak emphatically comes to an end with an 8-3 loss to the Wild, with four of those eight coming on the power play. McKinnon, Burakovsky, and Miko Rantanen got your three, and two of those were on the power play. Boy, this game was just... The Avs looked terribly tired. Five-on-five was kind of a myth. Not an easy one for this team to win. And they super did not. Yeah, yeah, this one was coming. This was the end of the point streak. What was it, 15 games or something? Like, it's not the end of the world. Everyone's going to have a stinker, whatever. We've seen them before. 
it is kind of funny that this team doesn't lose like a good game. It's not like, <laughs> oh, well, they played well, but they lost three to two. And you're like annoyed, but you're like, well, you know what happens? No, it's like the Avs either have they win or they play a really stupid game. Yeah, there's, there's three types of avalanche games. Out. In this season, there's three types of avalanche games. There are games that they play well and destroy and probably win. Um, there are games that um, the goal that are goalie losses, and there are games where they suck. Yeah, and sometimes they still win those, but that's because the West also sucks. There's some real stinkers out here, but so the, was you're like not going to beat the Wild due... with a stinker. Yeah, the Wild are decent. We just got to admit that. Well, and it's, I, I think the disturbing thing, and I'll fully admit that I, I watched the condensed game uh, of this rather than the, the full three-hour version, and I rarely do this, but it just, you know, knowing beforehand the struggles they went through and everything, I, I didn't need to put myself through that. Yeah, I tossed this game uh, on the second screen and played video games for about half of it. Yeah, but it's, you know, they, you know, they, they outshot the Wild at, at a normal clip, um... They just, you know, they didn't get a save, and the PK was just horrendous. It was One sort of like five. a re- oh. review of the first game. It was like they got in a hole in the first period. In the second period, they finally decided they need to get their shit together. And they started playing a little bit better. And then the third period, they just put their head up their ass again. It's just a matter of they didn't score enough goals like they did in the first game. And they gave up too many in the second game. Yeah. For, what, if, what if we did to the be able same to come thing? Back. That's Monday, but way, way, way more so. Yeah. Pretty much. Like, the second period, they started to... I mean, you, if you go on natural stat trick, you can see in the chart. They started asserting themselves in the second period. And then even at the very beginning of the third, they had a little run. But it was right when they gave up that... I think it was the sixth goal. It, they were just done. Yeah, like they had a li- they had pushback until that point, but and they should have pulled Gruby then. Like I understand why Benner left him in, because you could think back to the Ducks game when they came back down four to nothing, one eight to four. So he didn't want to give up then. He doesn't want to give up now against the rival. Those two points could matter at some point. You know, I yeah. get it. It's easy to say hindsight they should just pull the plug, but okay. And they did come back four to three in that in that game, like it was a real game at that point. But after the sixth one, it it was not their night. Yeah, and yeah. it definitely wasn't their night on the penalty kill. Oh no! Uh, so let's uh let, let's talk a little bit about that. Obviously, um, the amount that that these games have just repelled eyeballs this week is a little bit limiting. But what's going on on the penalty kill right now? And some people would just say their luck ran out on it. I think they've legitimately been doing good things on it, but you can start to see it's cracking the St. Louis series that they they were really starting to be able to hold the puck in against the Avs and and get those extended shifts. Yeah, the, the the clearing has been terrible. I mean, they've they've done the just short of the blue line clear about a hundred times over the past week. Clear, but not out. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, that's that's really a bad sign. Um, one thing I noticed, and this, this goes back for a, a little bit, um, 
maybe about two or three weeks ago, they started to decrease Jost's minutes on uh, PK and greatly increased Belmare's. Um, and since then, like the shot rate against has gone way up. Strangely, you know, I feel like I've seen this episode before. Yeah, I want to think the so same it's... thing happened. <laughs> Why would you even do that, though? Jost has shown that he's good in that role. He's been great on the third line. Like, yeah. what even justification would you use to... The, the only thing I'm thinking is that they like him a lot on the third line, and they didn't want him playing a ton of minutes on PK as well. They're just trying to manage his minutes a little bit, and I you know, I don't know if he needs that or not. That's, you know, that's tough I to guess say. if you're playing the fourth line less, which they have been since O'Connor's been out, yeah. then I guess I could see that could be their reasoning. Well, that's pretty but... new, though. This it hasn't is, helped. This is, yeah, this has been a, a couple of weeks, and it's it's like they've decided, like, you know what? We want Belmare and Comfer out there as much as possible. On, on which the is terrible. Which is terrible. And it just that's that is not a good thing. It it, it doesn't work, um, and it stresses the defenseman out. Like, you know, they they've had Makar on penalty kill a lot lately, and and you know, look, he can do a lot of great things, and PK and. You know, his defensive zone work in general is just not there right now. So maybe you know, not that... right now, but I don't hate him and I don't hate Sam on the penalty kill because I think having that puck skill, having someone that can read the play. Having well, I think Sam is a lot better than McCarr in the defensive zone. Definitely. Um, but, you know, it's just, you know, I think it was this game, but there are at least two of those PK goals where you saw McCarr is just like close to his guy but not close enough and it's you know that you could sort of see like right there like all right you know having a patrick nemeth might be helpful um that alone isn't, isn't I... gonna sink your pk though what, what's gonna sink your pk is your your forwards sticking their sticks in the shooting lane and the forward just goes oh okay and takes a wide open pass from circle to circle and now it's in the back of your net Right, and it, I've noticed a lot with Comfer and Belmar together is they're either way too aggressive, uh, which means they get too spread out and the Royal Road passes go right through, or they collapse too much, um, and it allows the, the the power play team to sort of transfer the puck a lot easier than, than should be possible. Um, they're just, you know, they're not good at limiting puck movement. They don't have the sense of how aggressive probably should be in a given situation. I just think um, they're entirely again, that, reactive. That does manifest, yeah. Um, and that does manifest in the in the shot rates against. Groovy's been fantastic this year on the penalty kill. And, you know, I, I do think part of that was, you know, they, they were pretty good, especially when you have guys like Jost and Nachushkin and... and the other guys out there um they're able to limit the shots to things that grubauer pretty much is ready for you know they're they're predictable in, in how they play the opponents and things like that yeah and 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 which i mean which personnel are the makes up the forwards killing the penalty is really freaking matters uh, but and, and a big part of it is that just the the Comfort and Belmar and and Calvert when he's healthy, they're just they're really reactive killers. If the puck goes to up to the blue line, they're gonna go chase it. 
And if the puck yeah. comes down low, they're going to collapse. It makes it really easy to yeah. manipulate them and do what you want out of, with, with your power play, where somebody like Tyson Jost has a really strong defensive instincts. Um, someone like Val Nichushkin, it can pretty much just put the direction of play wherever he wants it to be. It's just a huge step down. And and some of it is is also a, a little bit of variance too. Like Grubauer is is gonna make some like some of those saves sometimes, but he's spent the season making all of those saves. So it it's not. Yeah, I mean you're not gonna be nine thirty on the penalty kill all year. I mean, no, it's not know. not unheard of. Be he'd good, be human. But, yeah, I mean it's like Varley was you know Varley got close to that for long stretches as well, but it's like. Um, and and then there were long stretches of, that, you, of you make can't a save rely too. On that. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, so, you know that's that's something I think we need to watch for for the the last sixteen games of the season. It's just sort of, are they going to stick with Comfer and Belmar as their their top PK unit, even if if the PK itself starts to tank really bad, or, or are they? You know, are they are, are they going to start using other guys a little bit more, like when they're having success in the middle of the? Yeah, well, we can't answer that question until more games happen and we find out who is actually going to be on the roster too. Um, also, in one of these Minnesota games, I do not remember which, uh, McDonald gave a blind side hit to uh, Ryan Hartman. That was the second one. That allegedly yeah. was a headshot. I, I never saw a clear angle that really made it easy to see where contact happened. He might have clipped the guy like how McKinnon got clipped, but it looked like the shoulder was hit first, whereas McKinnon pretty much entirely got missed and just clipped. So yeah, You're under carpet, I, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right, I'll move. All right. So I was going to say... Is this better? Much better. Thank yes. You. Okay. All right. I'll say that. Um, well, yeah, the, the first angles that we had were like, like these stupid from across the rink angles that you get in like the AHL. And it's like, seriously, <laughs> nobody has like an actual TV camera angle of this. And I guess finally in the suspension video, there was one. It does look like Hartman gets clipped in the head. And even though I feel like, McDonald got his shoulder mostly first. If he does get clipped, then I get it. I mean, it's not a good hit. I, I've said before, I hate those cross ice hits because McDonald probably picked that up in at Cornell. So um, <laughs> <laughs> they're just bad hits. It's just. Yeah, yeah it's just it's reckless. Predatory. Yeah, it, it's reckless. It may or may not be clean. Half the time, it really isn't. And um, and I think it was yeah. late too. I mean, he, the puck was gone, and McDonald was still a stride or two away. So, I'm not going to complain that he got a suspension for that because I don't like those kind of hits. Even though it did for a while seem like it was shoulder contact, but if you clip the head, then I understand making a statement about that. Yeah, yeah. Just, I mean, I, I don't like lovely. that hit either, but it, I I don't mind it on Ryan Hartman at all. <laughs> well, it's just the funny thing is that when the Avs are supposed to step up and be tough enough, then they get themselves in trouble, right? It, it's just like this hilarious thing that this is, this happens in years past too, where it's like 
anytime. All right, we're going to be tough this week, and then <laughs> and then they run around and be tough and don't play hockey, and they lose hockey games. This is I don't yeah. know how many times I've said this on Discord. It's not who the Avs are. They don't win that way. <clears throat> yeah, but it, it's like they have to engage in in a certain amount of it. It's just silly because it, it is so hard to find that line where you you live in the gray area, but you're comfortable with it. And it's like the Avs just don't comfortably live in the gray area, but it's something they're going to have to do. Some of it is I mean, I, is I, getting better I, at finding I, the line and knowing where the line is, but all, some of it's reputational too. Like if you're a team who plays a heavy hitting game, you like, and that's your reputation, you get more leeway than somebody who's like a skill team who then makes the same hits. It's like, oh, that's completely out of the ordinary for you. That's probably a penalty. <laughs> yeah, and it's just it it is it's dumb, and I don't know if they're ever going to reconcile that. I would be surprised if they ever did, but it's just something we have to deal with. I I don't mind them trying to be more physical because as dumb as a lot of the narratives are, it is a factor to a certain degree. But no, you don't need to go out and put O'Brien in the lineup. You don't need to celebrate that Burrow's gotten a dumbass fight. Like, so what that he beat the other guy? Like, that doesn't make it better. Like, it was stupid to begin with. It's just... It's the hero worship. It, it's it feeds into it too. It, it's just I like them being physical. I don't mind fights if they make sense. But it, just yeah, congratulating I, somebody who played eight minutes because it got in a fight like it's self serving. They all are. It's um that part's disappointing. It's it's just stupid. Well, I think for a lot of guys on the abs, it's a distraction. Like I, I think if they're being told to be more physical and it's just not in the nature of a lot of, uh, a lot of the players on the team, it's kind of, it distracts them. You know, you're, you're doing something the way you've always done it and doing it fairly well. And then you're like, Oh shit, I should probably hit this guy. And then you're taking yourself out of the play or, you know, it's like you're, you're a step behind where the pass was supposed to go. And, it, well, it just like, throws everyone's timing off. And I think, I, I mean, I honestly do think we've seen a, that to a, a degree this week. I like it to the extent where it's sticking up for each other. Cause I think that's important for a team, but yeah, when you're looking to find trouble and you're just, it's not in your character, not in your identity. And then you're right. just congratulating plugs for doing it because they know a hundred percent the reason why, the only thing they can do to make an impression in their six minutes a night is to just do that. And then, it, and then the media and everyone celebrates it. And it's like, oh, wow, that was wonderful. It's, it's gross. <laughs> Shout out to the it time really when Nathan McKinnon took a clean headshot from a scrubbo trying to make an impression in a low time on ice game. It's, it's, the, exactly. it's the same yeah, thing. That's- that, yeah. That's a great thing to point out. That's exactly what that guy was doing. And I even said that on that podcast. I get it. That could have been that guy's last shift, and he knew it. What was he going to do? He was going to make a run at McKinnon. And I don't even think he meant to hit him in the head, but he meant to hit him hard. He hit him in the and head it, because he sucks. And that's that's the culture you create. when you cre- I don't mind celebrating physicality, but I mind it when you're celebrating scrubs who – for their sole purpose of being in the lineup is to do it. And then, oh, the, these guys are amazing. 
like they just came from the AHL and we just made this great depth. Like it's just stupidity. Like who believes that shit? Because <laughs> that, that, that Burroughs fight was like Burroughs and Bugstad go into the corner and Burroughs says, hey, that was shitty. I didn't appreciate that. And Bugstad comes back and says, hey, that response was shitty. I didn't appreciate that. Whoa, wait a minute. Why are we fighting? Yeah. That, that was pretty much what happened. Yeah. And then and Bjorkstad got hurt out of that, we think. Okay, and the, yeah, I don't think he played the next game. I have no idea if he was back last night or not. But it, it's right. like, okay, great. What have you accomplished? So we can all stand up and cheer that our scrub took a guy out. Like, cool. Or, or, why aren't we beyond that? And like I said, I'm not against the physical nature of the game, but this is all pointless. It has nothing to do with winning and losing and and creating a team and creating momentum. It's just doing shit for the sake of it. And I will say also that the Minnesota Wild are a team that kind of lend themselves to that kind of nonsense. Yeah. Because we, <laughs> we did see, for example, Matt Dumba take two 10-minute misconducts in two straight games. Yeah. And Ryan Hartman's on there. Yeah. Well, one, one part of Dumba was O'Brien, which he did sort of shove Dumba into the net, like, I don't know. Are we happy about that? Cool. Great. Not really. O'Brien hasn't done anything since this fight. He's getting like minor penalty. He's just doing shit pretty much. So. Oh, wait, I, that reminds me of my favorite play of the first game. And this was all, it was, it was Nate's goal in the beginning of the second period. And Greenway was coming after him and tried to take him out from behind and misses. And then his face goes crashing into the post. That was awesome. Yeah. When, when <laughs> Mc, McKinnon just splits the D and then he scores the goal and then the also scores a defender in the process. Yeah. <laughs> and then like and a that wild later, series <laughs> honestly was not even like that dirty. Like no. when the Ducks decided to do their cross check fest and, and Vegas in general probably is the most physical team. But like Minnesota's physicality is not something you have to worry about. Give me no. a break. Minnesota no. have some sliminess. the The Ducks have some mad cause bad cheap stuff. The <laughs> yeah. the the Blues have their forever fake tough fake identity, tough and and yeah. and Vegas are just a physical team who have a couple of absolute shitbirds in the middle of that mixed in too. But they just have a physical identity. But and they're a big right. team. I think they are what the big, either the biggest or the heaviest or something like Probably that. Like so. But but they're also extremely skilled team. And Colorado are an extremely skilled team who get around this physicality by going around and past those guys, not by yeah, not not by bringing in an ECHLer to fight them. Like this, this is not like just. Stop this. This is silliness. Right. Like, Vegas doesn't care. Like, so what? Do you think Colasar or Reeves care if they have to fight some bum that the Avs have from the AHL <laughs> in the lineup? Do they care? They probably is win that, that fight. Like, they don't give a shit at all. <laughs> no, they don't care. It's just stupid. It's so, stupid that, that, that it's devolved into that the last couple weeks. So the, and I don't think it's made a difference. It, it, I think it has made a difference. Not a good one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or Not a good one. Difference. So this isn't a tangent that I, that we had any intention of going down, but I'm glad that we did. It's it's very valuable, and I think it's an important I think it's piece topical. of why these games this week have been so shitty. 
Yeah. I think people are thinking it. Like it, it is a it is a legitimate question. Like how can the abs hold up against physicality? But this is not the answer. Well, yeah, finally, it's... on Friday, go ahead. Um, if, if I think we've probably gotten enough into that one, yeah. that, that went yeah. on for a minute. So finally, on Friday, in a game that was mostly remarkable for how entirely unremarkable it was. The Avs went two nothing in Anaheim against the Stupid Ducks, which was a shutout for Jonas Johansson somehow. That's pretty incredible. Valeri Dutushkin with the only real goal, just a super pretty pass and play in front of the net that he snipes home, and then Ranton and adds the empty netter, which he could have skated all the way in and just placed it in the net if he wanted to. I <laughs> I didn't really watch this game, even though I did sit in front of it for the entire sixty minutes, but it was terrible. And it yeah. had Keaton Middleton in it, which tracks. Uh, the, the Avs have used 14 defenders now. Yeah, I mean, having... Like, I, I was I was pretty sure they are going to try to limit the time Middleton and Burroughs were out there together. Nope! Nope, that's a pairing. Nope, <clears throat> nope they put them out It doesn't together. make sense, and then they put him out with the fourth line, which has O'Brien on it. It's just like... Yeah. Why? Why Why set yourself up for the opponent to be like, hey, this is a great idea, especially when you're on the road? Like, yeah, I know it, it's the Ducks, but they still have NHL players. Well, it's all, yeah, it's almost like Bednar's like, what's the worst combo <laughs> I can put on the ice? And let's see if they can actually score against us with that out there. And they couldn't, you know. Like... <laughs> I was surprised um, after the Ducks had their cross-check fest in Denver the other week they didn't bring the same i don't even know i don't even want to say give a crap because i don't think it's that it's just maybe they i don't know if the deadline's getting to them or maybe they're a little bit more fired up on the road but they just they didn't bring any of that that we have seen and and it's been a tough series between the abs and the ducks and they didn't bring the pushback last night well, I, I I do think it's very interesting. All right, the the game in Denver with the cross check fest was the shots were forty eight fifteen for the Avs, and last night it was only thirty five twenty eight. And it's, it's almost kind of... like the duck the Ducks showed up and like you know what we're gonna play hockey. Um, I don't know. And... I think the Avs crappiness fed into that, but a little I, bit. I, of I think it definitely did, but it just it it seemed like they were they were more interested in in sort of trying to play you know, hockey rather than running around all the time. Um, and it, you know, it obviously didn't help them, but you know, and it didn't make the game anymore. <laughs> no. So I don't, <laughs> this, I don't know what this to say was about just it. This is one but... where, you know, guys like nuke. I, I think there's been a few games the last couple of weeks. I can't remember the exact ones, but where you needed nuke to show up because in a few of those games, they won all, only his line is the one that got anything accomplished. I, th- I think he has scored a few against the Ducks. So whatever it is, they've found the solution to neutralize the top two lines. And the, the second lines kind of neutralized themselves recently. But it's it's getting Jost and Nuke going is making the difference. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense if you think about the makeup of a team like Anaheim that, that doesn't have a lot of skill and doesn't have a lot of talent. It's like the, the, the good matchups the Avs should have would be your bottom six versus there. Even though they do have some decent young talent. 
They do. Um, but, but you would just, just think that a, a third line of Donskoy, Jost, and Nachushkin should be able to tear apart whoever they come up against. And tear apart's a little bit strong for what they've actually done, but they've been they've been successful. Yeah. Yeah, if you can win a game because Nuke scored, you'll take it, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And and this was probably Ryan Graves' most successful game of I the season. I think so. I think that's yeah. worth pointing out. Like he certainly was tops in the analytics, but he did also look better, which which was much needed when you had Gerard McCarr and Taze not on their A game, and then you had a borderline ECHL pairing in the third pair. So for Graves to pull out one of his better games, I don't know if he just had the legs or something about the matchup and his usage was working, but he had that he, that pass that he gave to Nuke was was a really nice pass. So yeah. he earned that assist and and good for him. Like he I know that, that plus. We, We've yeah exactly. We've complained about him, been tough on him, and I think it's been deserved because he has has not been as good this year. But it is good to see him pull out a good game like that. And okay, but as, all right, at the expense of now, do we need, do we want to see him with Kale McCarr and playing with the top line all the time? No, I'd have to see who he played with with last night the most. It was McCarr in the top line. Yeah, well, <laughs> he got the assist with the. Uh, I think he was yeah. paired with Burroughs, and it was obviously the Jost line. So, right. um, I don't know. The, no, and it, the and defense... like if you look at if you look at the Wowies and stuff like that, like he was good away from Makar in the top line. But that's like it, it's like it was last year. Like he's going to benefit a lot from playing with the top line guys. You know, I don't know about the D pairs anymore, honestly. I think that's really hard to forecast at this point. So Yeah, it's reasonable. Um I don't even know what they're thinking is. They they've mixed it up a lot more this year than they have in the past, and then plus you know, you who knows who knows what they're thinking anymore with how they're gonna factor in Nemeth if what they're going to do whenever Byram can exist again. Yeah, well, one, yeah, one like last that. thing before we get to Nemeth. Let's let's bring Byram up. Because Byram went on this trip, and then part of the reason... And he was close. And, and then part of the reason that we had to see the Keaton Middleton experience was that Bowen Byram is now on the COVID protocol list. Yay! Which, I think that was super weird, because on Wednesday, the abs were to be determined, which a lot of teams that play late do that, but the abs do not. That was weird to me. And I hoped all day Thursday that it wasn't Byram and then nothing came up. But then all of a sudden he goes on it Friday, which maybe just a coincidence because everything they said makes it sound like it came up on Friday. But I think to me that gets my tinfoil pinging a little bit. But it's just really disheartening for me. Like, obviously he's not the important, most important player on the team, but he's the one that needs to play. And, um, I don't know. I guess we'll see. They don't seem to be super worried that they're having an outbreak. So maybe there's still a chance for a false positive. Maybe they just don't care. I don't know. We'll find out in the coming days. Maybe but, with him okay. not being on the active roster, his amount of actual contact with everybody off of the plane is pretty limited. But the on the plane yeah. part is spooky. Yeah. Well, also that they've been on a five-day road trip. Like, they've all had the same 
exposures. To me, it's odd. It's really odd, but whatever. I know COVID doesn't make sense. Sometimes things happen, whatever. But he was the last person it needed to happen to. More and or less. Makes me sad. So I'm being honest. It really does break my heart. And um, we'll see what happens. We'll just have to hope it doesn't affect him long term. <clears throat> so uh, let's talk trades because apparently this is a thing. Our uh, our entire shtick today was going to be to shout no rentals a million times and then look at some things happening around the league uh, while continuing to shout no rentals randomly in the middle of it. Instead of that, we get to talk about the, one of the most anticlimactic trades I can ever remember, which is a 2022 fourth round pick for friend of the show, Patrick Nemeth. And, and then we'll talk about the other thing that has everybody hollering. <laughs> so the, the, the main thing for me that's so boring about this Nemeth trade is we, we know who this guy is. We know how he, how he fits on in on how the abs want to play. And really the, the biggest takeaway that I have from it is that Con we're not going to see Connor Timmons again this season. He is completely unpersoned. <clears throat> Probably, but I don't think even the trade forced that. Like, when guys go back to the AHL, they're done. And that that's kind of how they operate. Well, if you're holding out any hope at all, they've moved a fourth-round pick to not call up Connor Timmons, so it's not happening. Which, I mean, I would agree. it was fine that he was taken off the active roster. We we talked at length about this, about how it, it really wasn't a big deal that he went back down to the AHL because he was getting surpassed on the death chart. But now we're, now we're playing guys who are bad and making trades for defenders, and he's, he's still sitting there. I guess you could always say they're going to make changes when they get back home, blah, blah, blah. Or, or they make ch changes before they go on a road trip. So, you know, are, are they married to Middleton and Burroughs? Would they be willing to bring up some other guys? Perhaps. But then again, is it more likely that it's going to be like Gilbert and not Timmons? That could be a possibility, too. So... I don't I mean, know. If you're going by what's what's happening in the AHL, I mean, like Timmons is finding his game, and yeah, know, he's still I, Timmons. I, I, like, he, it's the same stuff. Like, he does make some really nice outlet passes, and then other times you're just like, why did you just do that? Like, and I yeah. know, and and you have to think anytime if anybody ever watches the AHL, it's like turnovers all the time. Everybody does it, even the guys that are decent they do it so okay you can't get too mad at a guy for a turnover because it's the ahl but there's some of them you're like oh my god dude why you can't do that and yeah it's just like he's not no, gonna i'm just saying how many different yeah i'm just saying that you know he didn't go down there and just say ah, screw it you know I'm, no like no he... no i'm not saying that at all about it. yeah he i i definitely think he cares He's yeah. trying to get better, but you have to have a plan for these guys. You have to have a plan for all of them. Yeah, and it's nice that they did give somewhat of a commitment to him, and they tried him, and and they gave him a little break, and they played him again. So, I mean, I can't – he's certainly been treated better than a guy like Cout, but um, 
But right, when you're at a point where you're playing Middleton, and it, it probably, for people that don't know him that well, just sounds like, you know, complaining to complain. I mean, the guy had never been on an NHL contract. He had one point, it was minus 12 in 13 games. I know plus minus ain't great, but if we had access to analytics, I'm sure that those wouldn't have been beautiful either. Yeah, the AHL, then, you kind of deal with the numbers you got. Yeah, yeah, so for that guy to A, get an NHL contract... And B, he was on the taxi squad. People say, oh, it doesn't matter. It's just so he can sit around. This happens every single time. You say, that guy's just there to sit around. And all of a sudden, he's in a game. It happens every single time they go on a road trip. It's like, you go on a four-game road trip, that's who you're living with. So if you get a suspension, you get an injury, COVID positive, this is your option. And he was left an option. It's just... Why? And if you knew that you were going to go and you trade for an NHL defenseman for depth, why even waste a contract on it? It makes no sense when you already had Timmons and Gilbert and these guys that you could have called up. It, it's just throwing out any sort of merit, ability. And no, he didn't lose the game for the abs it's because cause they're a good team. Like, your fourth liners aren't losing your games. But it just, we're at such warm body level that it doesn't even matter who they put in. And they're just putting in anyone that's been in, at the AHL level. Like, if you wanted to waste the contract on a guy, how about that shied guy who has like 10 points and he was just signed out of college? Like, if you wanted to say, we want to sign another guy that's been here, how about reward the one that's been good? Was that too hard? Well, hopefully with Matt coming back from his suspension on Monday and Nemeth joining the team at some point this week, that we will not see Burroughs and Middleton. Why is no, Nemeth joining? Hope the... for. So why is Nemeth joining the team sometime this week? Why not immediately? <laughs> well, I mean, it's going to like, I would assume like he's trying to get to Denver as quickly as possible. I mean, there's no way he's going to go out to Anaheim. So... Well, he also has he a hand up. injury. That's why. Because he's broken. Yeah. yeah. But it then it, it could have also been, like, the hand injury so we don't get him hurt so we can trade him, too. <clears throat> um, well, either but, way. But regardless, he's got to get, serious, the, he's gotta get but... to Denver so their doctors can check him out, and then we'll see how soon. He obviously doesn't have to go through much systemic thing and practice and whatnot since... He's played for this coaching oh. staff before. Okay, on one hand, it's hilarious that they did the exact same thing. They just wouldn't move him for a pick. It's just funny. It's just hilarious because they wouldn't move him for a pick when he was a pending UFA. But, okay, if you're going to pick up a depth guy, bring in someone that's familiar. Because I think they do need to worry about chemistry. They're a good team. Like You don't need to bring in all these mercenaries. They work because they're a unit, because they've, they've played together, because they know. I do believe that winning a championship is about being a team to an extent. It, it's being more than the sum of your parts. So if for them to feel comfortable with Nemeth, know what he can do, he knows the team, he knows a lot of the guys, fine, whatever. Like, I didn't hate him. He's NHL quality. So it'll be fine to see him back in the lineup. It's just, you know, how everything else shakes out, I guess. But 
I like you know, is he the only yeah. one? I guess that's the other thing. Is this it? Is he the only one? Like, we're going to be talking about these trades, and we don't know if that's it or not. So it's really hard to give kind of like a final opinion because what else is there? Are they going to trade for another defense? I don't think so, <laughs> but no. <laughs> well, we still got 48 hours to go. So what else do they have up their sleeve? Yeah, just well, just, I mean, just for clarity's sake, like this is pretty much our trade deadline episode. If they do anything ridiculous before the deadline, we'll give a, a, a quick mini-sode to, to scream and holler about it after it happens. Um, but but we're, we're reasonably assuming that this is probably what they're doing. Yeah, I would think so, because obviously they're playing tomorrow and Monday. Yeah, so, so unless they're trading for a Coyote, it's going to be tough. Yeah, or even, I mean, or not. I mean, it's like, it. you're, if you make a trade Monday, you're probably not going to see the guy for several days. Um, and it's going to be hard to integrate, harder to integrate with the team, so. It does um, feel like they wanted, like, one more NHL D. Okay, so. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I think their that's... shopping list was, was you know, I, I thought. I thought it would be stupid if they got two goalies, but, you know, hey. <laughs> uh. But then it just makes signing Middleton even more pointless. Like, why? Yeah. Why yeah. did you need to use a contract on that guy? Now, they're up against the contracts now. They're at 49 contracts. So if they make another deal, yeah. it's got to be body in, body out. Because you can't stay at 50 because then you can't do anything. You can't do anything in the off season. You can't do anything. In, like, like if you're comfortable at 49, that's one thing, but you can't be at 50. So they're I mean, they're teams body have lived at 50. I mean, I I know eh. the abs are very conservative, so they probably wouldn't. So do I, do y'all want to know the really silly part? Is what? Keaton Wait, Middleton? Um, Keaton Middleton was the one who got signed through 2022. Yeah, he has an NHL yeah, deal next age. year. Yeah, because of his age, and they do. It seems to be for it was some an reason. ELC. Yeah, well, it's also, they seem to want to sign their AHLDs for two years. Like, they gave Renef a two-year deal, they gave McDonald a two-year deal, and all to two-year deal. You know, it's gone back a ways where, Mark for whatever reason, Alt. yeah, I know. Those guys can either demand that or they feel like it's important to have that sort of stability. But why? I mean, it just makes no sense. You even had better AHLers. And well, you I, gave I, a guy I mean, an NHL contract when you knew you were going to go out and bring in an NHL defenseman. Just why? I I know you poo pooed this, but I, I I mean I do think there is a chance that someone would would, would think about signing him. Um, that would want Middleton? Want... No. Yeah. There's no well, way. Like like Pete said, he's a big tough guy. You know, he's six <laughs> six two forty. No, he's not. He's out. not big tough. He's big strong tough. Yeah. Did he fight last night in his first uh, game like busy. all the others did? Busy, no. Busy, busy. Yeah, he, he was busy trying to sort of shoot the butt. Yeah. He got a bit. shot on goal. Yeah, That's more than Burroughs can get, you know. And Burroughs has been watching Sam in practice too much. You know, that sequence, I think it was in the third <laughs> period last night where he did two spinoramas. <laughs> He looked like he was trying to be Barry, honestly. Like, he can't skate like Sam. And I know Barry's a good skater. I'm not trying to say this to, like, rip on Barry. But just the way that he did it reminded me of Barry. It was like, no, dude. <laughs> no. And he turned it over, of course. 
So, <laughs> so the, the the one benefit to the Nemeth trade is that this, like like y'all were saying, this is a player who knows this system, who's played for this coaching staff, who isn't going to have the normal onboarding process that a new player at the deadline has, where you come to the new team yeah. and stink because you aren't really sure what's happening yet. Um, right. So, and so re- if you're going to borrow a player for a month, borrowing a player who knows what the fuck you do on the ice isn't a bad thing. It's just, and they and, retained half, so it was like 1.5 million, which whatever that prorated out with the rest of the season isn't much. No, and it does make a little bit more sense, sort of in a way, when we talk about them getting rid of Pattern, which that's yeah, both hilarious. Th- th- that makes it less redundant, but it's just right. What, what you're looking at here is you're saying is a, a month ish of Patrick Nemeth better than a month ish of Connor Timmons, and the answer is probably. Marginally, yeah. another interesting thing. I'm not sure this might be the first trade that the Avs and the Wings have made. A, it, a lot of people have been saying that, and yeah. I, I think that's the uh, case. Yeah, but um, the Wings are one of the few. We're one of the few obvious sellers. So it's like if you're not willing to go to that well, then you're pretty much cutting off. Like, well, I mean, Iserman and Sackick are pals, so no, maybe <clears throat> that helps too. But yeah. It was like if you were gonna buy, then you you were gonna need to contact Detroit. So it's just okay a fourth. So they dip into next year again, which for me it's gonna be important for them to keep that first and that third intact. Now they have a three pick draft class. Like okay, n- nobody cares about their thirds and there's there nobody cares about the fourth fifth sixth because they get garbage out of that anyway if they keep the first and the third which they've had decent success well at least not nhl success but just good prospects that's where sampo and foodie and Ananen came out of the third so if you keep your first and your third then you still can have a real draft class you're not going to have all the auxiliary picks but you can still have quality because you can probably get two real prospects. So please hold on to that because if, at this point, even losing the third is going to hurt a lot. So if yeah, that's I mean, been I, their I, thinking that they're trying to preserve the first and the third to at least get through this draft, then I'm okay with that. But it has to be there come deadline. I mean, I, this this draft is going to be messed up because it's going to be throwing darts, especially with anyone well, you're thinking about at the in the OHL. Well, the funny uh, thing, okay, first of all, like everybody's played, all the top prospects have played. The U18 is going to be start on the 26th of this month. If you trust your scouts, you might get a lot better value out of those picks than you normally would. You might get second round talent in the sixth round, and the I know, first round. You might get a sixth, no. ra- sixth round talent out of a second round. I mean, it's. I, I do think there's a lot of uncertainty with it. I mean, they, well, they kind of do that all the time anyway. <coughs> yeah. Correct them if on If you though. have good scouts, which I wouldn't necessarily... I know everyone thinks like the abs have turned this massive corner, but they have had good good picks in the third, I will say, though. Yeah, for, for, and then the first. The, all those firsts are known. All those firsts will have played, have played at least in an event... So in Europe, in the USHL, in NCAA, so there's no reason to throw that first away. You're still going to get a real player that you need to add to this system because people also think that they're still hanging on to a top 10 prospect. Well, no, it's getting closer to like 20th. 
Like you guys don't realize what other teams have is what's considered a good prospect pool. Yeah, for us, yeah. for us to really go all in on this whole av scouting has turned a corner thing, we really need to see some of these lower round picks actually translate into something. At least one or two of them, because yeah. uh, I mean, it might happen. But yeah, yeah it looks promising, but <laughs> you it, still got to do it. It hasn't happened until it happens. That's correct. So, so for them now to lose fourth next year, which now they don't have a second and a fourth, so they're almost looking at the same position they are in now is in next year is that you probably should keep that first and that third and then they're still back to only having like the fifth and the sixth to work with next year but then they'll probably start borrowing from 2022 so it totally yeah. is like payday loan and as long as it's like i said as long as they stop here i'm okay with it but you can't take any more also they need a body in body out trade if they're going to do anything else Pretty much, um, yeah. Because think... that that would be anything else beyond the other thing they did, um, which was uh, the thing we're going to talk about now. We were because we were all reasonably certain that the Johansson trade plus him actually coming in and looking, you know, not good but good enough to apparently win a couple of games behind the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, we, we were pretty sure that meant that the Colorado weren't going to pick up another goalie. But they did. But... I didn't think so either. Because <laughs> right, I mean, Johansson did. Play well well enough for that Blues game, and the guy did get a shutout yesterday. Yeah. I mean, he made yeah. saves. <laughs> yeah, so the new reasonable assumption instead of that is probably that Frank's season has been ended by whatever his mystery injury is. So the Avs pick up Devin Dubnik from the Sharks in exchange for Greg Patteron and a fifth. <laughs> and my main Frank. reaction to this deal is <laughs> I'm glad it happened before the show instead of after. Yeah. I wish no, they would they just, just say they they're done, up. but <laughs> they've got to be getting down on the shopping list. Okay, first of all, like they cannot add another goalie. Like this literally has to be it. Like they have seven yeah, under contract nine now. Nine goalies, no. <laughs> <laughs> Plus Ananid, like they could bring Ananid over for the playoffs. I think uh, the season in Finland will be done by mid-April, then whatever playoffs they do. So he's under yeah. contract and his year's being burned. So, I mean, why wouldn't you bring him? Because yeah. you're paying for it anyway. <laughs> so what are they going to have? Five goalies in the AHL? Now you're going to have Jones, Miska, Werner, and and then Adden in if he ever comes over. Plus the ECHL guy, which that guy's easy to get rid of. But like four goalies in the AHL? They don't have that many games. No. <laughs> Especially not this we're, season. We're already seeing as a problem. <laughs> so I would assume that means JoJo goes to the taxi squad. And I do, in a way, feel bad for him. I mean, you're giving him a now, test, wait. and he's like, hey, I... What? I, I, I mean, are, are we sure that, that Dubnik's not going to be the third goalie? No. First of all, they paid more for him. I, like, Second Patterns of all, Jojo... a cap dump, and they get... Okay. All right, a fifth is more than a sixth, but not by much. Okay, um, which one's waiver exempt? That gives you your answer. Is either I mean, of them going to pick up Devin Dubnik on waivers? <laughs> okay. Besides the fact of who actually but, would wouldn't clear, they would not take they don't... a chance. <clears throat> they wouldn't even have signed Hutchinson because he might not clear waivers. They're not going to trade for Dubnik and waive him. JoJo is waiver exempt, which is one of the huge reasons why they actually traded for him. 
he's going well, on need the taxi to... squad. I mean, are we sure how the taxi squad's going to work with unlimited rosters? I mean, th- this is stuff we're not really sure about. Well, nobody uh, has said, right? Because technically you're only limited to like four call-ups, but can they even enforce that right now? I don't, no. I mean, nobody knows anything. Right. And it, it, you know, are we going to have a taxi squad in the playoffs? Um, you know, th- these are these are things that that would be nice to know <laughs> right. at some point. Is there going to be an additional um, taxi squad to the already existing Black Aces squad? Like, it's just it's just weird and just kind of one of those like little gray fuzzy places that nobody's ever really taken the the, the time to say here's what we're doing. And maybe they have, and maybe all the NHL GMs know what, what's going to happen. And, and just nobody with very much of an audience has asked the question, but definitely nobody with very much of an audience has given us an answer. Right. But <clears throat> going back to, I, I mean, a de- I, I think there's a, a definite case to be made that there will be somewhat of a gong show between Dubnik and Jojo. I mean, it, you know, obviously he's you know <laughs> jojo's jojo's gotten five points in his three starts so he so is getting um, better so here's what we're gonna do here's, here's what we're gonna do we're gonna go ahead and give group hour the healthy scratch we're gonna start either of johansson or dubnik and if they let in a goal on their first shot then it's group hour's <laughs> job to hit that gong and then we're gonna switch <laughs> And that's what's going to happen. No, Devin Dubnik, um, I, there would be a lot less reaction to this trade if it was a goalie with the exact same stat line who the entire Avalanche fan base didn't think was a giant clown. Yeah. Well, it, it is it is hilarious. And come on, the guy has an 8.98 save percentage. It just... <sighs> is he is he really going to be that much better? Because he does, he does have the NHL experience. And... Like I know, we all thought of like JoJo as Miska quality, and it, and he really was brought in, but he has been better. Okay, is he been like NHL backup better? You know, maybe not, but he has been getting better. Yeah, so I mean, it's I, just funny. I, I think you want to see. I think you want to see progress with with JoJo. I mean, obviously Dubnik is not any kind of long term solution for the Abs, but you know JoJo might be. He's an RFA. He could be well, he's a the... group six RFA though, so he's he's not going to hit that threshold. Oh, he won't. No, All right. it was like twenty games. He's not going to play twenty games. Okay, so, Ugh. but still, they have his rights and they can sign him before June first or whatever, or July first. Um, Maybe because I do think they like him, but it's also going to be how much is he going to start? And at this point, I guess we hope not that much, but. You could see a fair argument that Dubnik doesn't need to start like every game that Gubauer doesn't, especially if they carry JoJo on the roster. If they put him on the taxi squad and if that still exists, then he's probably just going to be the practice goalie, which is just dumb. If they knew that they were going to make this kind of trade, they couldn't have just lived with Werner for two starts. Apparently not. It's just yeah. silly. And you could just nope. say, okay, it was just a six. Like, they use those as toilet paper. Who cares? But it's just the point of, like, bringing in a whole other person. And now you, you used a contract on it. You're using roster space on it. You used NHL minutes on it. Just to have another guy that's going to sit around. 
Well, they they did send yeah. Pattern back, so they didn't. I get, I get, that, are, are you turns, saying the the JoJo deals where they added the contract? The JoJo deal. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, the pattern part of it is interesting because that's certainly not a return that any of us are sad about. Which is funny because he was supposed to be sort of that Nemeth. He was supposed to be okay. Maybe he's not as good as Cole, but he's still been an NHL defender. He can penalty kill. He can do that. Apparently not. Reason they decided that he wasn't. <laughs> even though I will give the dude credit, well, he like, really did he, give a. Sh- I will give him credit. He gave a shit in the AHL, and that can't be said for a lot of NHL veterans. So he I think he led does... the AHL in shots for a while. <laughs> uh, so he needs to be given credit that he accepted that role. He went down there and he did it. But it is silly that the Avs didn't see like when you're playing Middleton instead of him. Like they should never even play Burroughs instead of him. And I know probably some of that had to do with like the waiver exemption. They didn't want to waive him again, and it probably helped push the steal through that he hadn't crossed that waiver threshold again so that and I already saw San Jose already assigned him to the Barracuda. So that probably helped facilitate facilitate the trade. And so in a way it was nice that this was the return. Especially when you got Nemeth, did you really need another defenseman sitting around that they weren't gonna use? No. So to that extent, I think the Avs actually did a good job to get rid of him because Usually those are kind of the players they don't get rid of if San Jose valued him. Because the fifth, it really isn't that much, but then how much were you going to get for a goalie that's put up an 8.98? But they did agree to take him, and it is money. So Speaking, of, speaking of money, the, the, the funniest part of this deal is that Devin Dubnik is coming with half of his salary retained by the, the by the Minnesota Wild. <laughs> 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 which i love you know we're, I know we're, playing, he's had his we're paying good... Cole to play for them and they're paying dubs <laughs> to play for us i don't know i mean he is nhl experience but Dubnik's he hasn't just... been good for a while no dubnik has a history of kind of alternating between seasons where he's fantastic and seasons where he's anti-fantastic um, but he's just, he just hasn't been any good basically since, uh, since he went to San Jose for sure, but he was already on the downswing in Minnesota. That's why they traded him. Um, so, I mean, is he going to be better than the, the Misko Werner Johansson category of goalies? Yeah, probably marginally. I don't know. I mean, is, is he who you want as your backup in the playoffs? Probably not really. <laughs> I guess you could wink that he could get on a hot streak like he had been he has had a past to that but yeah we, we, like, we know he has a decent ceiling it's just whether that's still there yeah it's just, it's just like the blanky factor like they, they do this every year and I said that before too I think we even titled the podcast that sure have it's just they need that something to make them feel better at night whether or not it's true it's just it's like this is always their plan. Don't have a third goalie. Then when you get to the deadline, then just trade for somebody that. And now you have four of them. <laughs> that's. Yeah. So so then yeah. Why did we do the JoJo so we could have him around for three weeks and get two, 
three starts out of him. Just to have another dude sitting around. But whatever. I mean, certainly they're done with goalies now. They really couldn't possibly add another one. I touch so. wood. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't think... They just don't have the contract space. I know you would say, well, then they could just send Werner or Miska the other way. But, I mean, really, this... This has got to be it for the goalies. It's. I mean, I seriously. Think but they. What's funny about all this is uh, they've they've made two goaltender deals, and and the best deal they could have made would have been to claim off waivers that they chose not to make. Well, yeah, I I could really go down that fair everybody, but there was a lot of non hindsighty options they could have taken. But this this is like their plan. This is what they do. They try to just get by with nothing. They trade for a goalie that's that that they can keep for the playoffs. That's pretty much it. They, they they've gone but, from a, a goalie who's one star out of five to a goalie who's one and a half stars out of five. Well, now we've got a goalie who's two stars out of five. <laughs> and I wasn't patting the table for a backup because I feel like they'd made their bed and. And they weren't going to get anybody good. Like, that's always been the argument about the you're wasting too much time worrying about a third goalie because none of them are, by definition, none of them are ever going to be that good. That's and right. So, okay, Dubnik's not a third goalie, but he's a below-average NHL backup. Like, does anybody really feel better? Do they feel a lot better about it? I feel awful. I feel like throwing up. <laughs> 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 But and Nick in an avalanche uniform. Yeah, that's that's because I mean, that's of the just... clown factor, though. You feel like throwing up because of the clown factor. Yeah. I don't know. Ne- I don't necessarily. I don't necessarily because like the history and stuff. I just more because he's not that good anymore. Yeah, is, that's exactly it. Is what bothers me. But let me find then are what they going to use him here. more because he's an actual NHL player? That's the other thing. Are no, they? My... I'm I'm just gonna gonna read off um, Micah McCurdy's take on this because I thought it was both spot on and very well said. <laughs> um, so Devin Dubnik is a woefully bad goaltender. Uh, his average effect on the odds of shots taken against him is to make them 13% more likely to become goals. <laughs> Greg Pattern, in return to San Jose, is a very weak defender at all of the most important aspects of the game. Also, there's a fifth round pick somewhere. This is like a pure hockey trade, only the opposite for both teams. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love guess. that last line. <laughs> it's just there, there's guess. there's just a piece of that analysis missing, and that's that woefully bad is the Av's second best goaltender that's healthy. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate, but that's where we are. I don't know. Maybe it's recency bias, but you got to feel a little bit more positive about JoJo. I guess it doesn't matter anymore. Now yeah, you got to but- wonder, like. Dubnik's got to be better than JoJo's been. And if he's not, you just traded Pattern and a fifth for a taxi goalie. Like, okay. I guess you can. I guess then nothing's stopping you from using JoJo instead, I guess. So, Especially so, with the <laughs> rosters. So it's a free just country. to sum up everything from all these trades, and things, <laughs> what they've done is they traded a sixth um, to not play Adam Werner. And then they traded a fifth and Greg Pattern to not have Adam Werner on the taxi squad. And then they traded a fourth. They must not like Adam Werner. They traded a fourth to not play Connor Timmons. Yeah, and and that's the same story that it's been. And it's like, it boggles my mind that people still like argue against it. Like how it's not happening. It's it's just, 
it's so painfully obvious at this point. Just cut the excuses, man. Just accept that they don't see prospects as solutions. And I, I think the statement that Jim Benning made the other day justifying the Tanner Pearson signing is that, you know, you win a cup with the guys that are between 24 and 34. God, I wish we had time to actually do our around the league thing that we wanted to do because we could have spent half an hour just laughing at Bim Jenning and Colorado wow. could have done nothing no, I had and been fine. That well, but no, well, here we are. If we took everyone that was under 24 off this team, I mean. Yeah. Is Sam 24? <laughs> no! no. <laughs> <laughs> Not Sam for a while. Car would be gone. I guess Miko would barely get to stay. Yeah, I mean that's just absurd. Yeah, it, but it's it, that that's he's not alone in that mentality. You you win the cup with talent is what you win the cup with. I mean that that's not even the the most disconnected from reality thing a GM has said in the last couple of years. <laughs> you look at you look at Tampa with Cirelli and Cernak and, and some of those other guys. I'm pretty sure Braden Point wasn't over 24 years old. I mean, it's just absurd to say that. Like, it's just and the yet excuse. They still just traded for David Savard. <laughs> <laughs> what did they give up it, for that? Um, Do we know? I, yet? I never saw the. No, I never saw oh, okay. it. Let's see if anybody's posted I'm sure it's it anywhere. Out. See if it's oh. official yet. But yeah, it's always a mix, right? Like, you're not going to win the cup with 20, 20 year olds on your roster, but. You can't just make those declarations. Like you have these talented guys there for a reason, and guys like Timmons and Cout and Werner, they've spent multiple years in the pro system. Like you're not talking about just throwing like Sampo and Nate Clerman in there straight out of college. (laughs) You have to value what your system does at some point. I right. thought it was interesting. Pete remarked last night that Nazem Kadri was the second oldest guy in the ass. Yeah, I, that gave, that <laughs> put me on my ass. Because, yeah. like, for uh, one, I wasn't really watching the game. Like we said, I was like literally coloring. Well, I was and, not listening and, to the and, broadcast. And, and he way. said that, and I had to like erase a giant purple streak because, like, what? <laughs> Who's the second <laughs> oldest? You have. At some point, you have to ask, why do you value? what guys got in a different system more than your own. Why does it matter that they've played pro somewhere else? Like, shouldn't that tell you something? I I mean, I just, I, I think he, I mean, I think that proves the point that like, if Nas is your second oldest player and, and by a lot too, because it's like Belmar is a lot older than, than Kadri is. And, um, and to be fair, this is that... kind of this is kind of a circumstantial thing because Eric Johnson is is gone yes. for who knows right. how long, and and, and, and he qualified he qualified that by saying, but he was just and, saying the roster as it sits yeah. right now. And, and Jacob McDonald happened to be suspended for that game. He's twenty eight. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but, but it's like you know it that that goes against the Bim Jenning philosophy that twenty four to thirty four is your sweet spot for cup winners. Like, um, who do you even want over 30? Like, there's very few players you want over 30. So, definitely some not are Zach Parisi. Very, very effective. <laughs> there's a lot that aren't. And for yeah. me, people always talk about age. Like, okay, well, these guys made it when they were 22, 23. For me, it's pro experience because that's what matters. It doesn't matter what your age is. Like, age ain't nothing but a number, folks. It's... It's are you first year pro, second year pro, third year pro. That's what determines what somebody can provide an organization. 
Now you can you can have an it's NHL impact until you're 38, 39. We'd see that from Patrick Marlowe. Or you can bust into the league <laughs> as a 18 year old and win the win the Calder Trophy easily. Or just like Sam, he's 22 years old, but he's played over 250 NHL games. Yeah. Like, his age doesn't matter. It it matters the experience that he's a fourth-year pro now and what he can bring to the table. Yeah. And, and Bednar has said many times this season that, you know, Sam is part of the leadership group. He's, he's one of the most experienced defensemen they have and all that. Which is crazy. We're right. Like, Sam has more experience in Graves than Taves. Than Taves, really? Yes. Taves does not have that much NHL experience. Yeah, he went. He went to Quinnipiac and until he. I was think he's 24. under two hundred. I'm pretty sure he's still under two hundred. Yeah. Gee, that means he may still be only getting better. And he's already really good. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, he's definitely older. He's what, like twenty five or twenty six? But, um, but yeah, as far as NHL experience, so it's not just about age; it's about your pro experience. I say. So I'd, I'd like to wrap all this by qualifying it a little bit. Like, we're, we're hollering about probably your seventh defender, probably your second and a half to third goalie, fifth and sixth round draft picks. Like, it's all very I, marginal. It's, but it's that's kind of fine. the point at the same yeah. time. The point is, like, you really could have done nothing and been, like, 0.5% worse. Yeah. But the like, Avs will never... They always have to be in it. Like... They bought it. They bought when they were bad. They're always going to buy. It's just, it's hard to really have, like I said earlier, a really wrap up kind of thought is what else are they going to do? Like, it let's, seems let's, like they are. Let's make the assumption the they're not making ones. anything else. If, if they don't do anything else, then let, let's wrap it on that assumption. That'd be great. <laughs> because, right, they didn't really spend that much, a fourth, fifth, and a sixth. It's just. Did they really get that much better? But did they really spend that much? And then getting pat, getting rid of Pattern is kind of hilarious in a way. It, it's it's fine. Like you know, they're not going to do any. We're going to do nothing. The only I, thing I they haven't thrilled. done yet is their AHL swapsies. Yeah. Well, see, but the AHL isn't really like a season, and they have a million AHL vets signed. So I don't think they can really justify that. But I think. If they want to bring in another forward for the Avs, they're going to have to use prospects to do it because that's the one trade they haven't made. And they're in body in, body out at this point. So if they want to, if they're going to do anything else, they've pretty much used all the disposable picks. I'll be happy if they still have that first and the third. And I'm just a little terrified of like which prospect, which written off prospect is the one that's going to go. Is it Cout? Is it Timmons? Is it Bowers? Is it going to be just someone pointless like Nick Henry? Or is it going to be one of the guys they don't want to sign? Justin Barron? Sasha Mutala? It's going to be something Nobody of that. Nobody wants those guys. <laughs> Nobody wants Justin Barron? No. Oh, that Barron. I thought you meant the other no. one. <laughs> <laughs> the, the one with that the expiring I'm a ELC. Of. <clears throat> I'm not really, like... What I'm looking at is like you've got a bunch of guys that are either RFAs with arbitration rights or your G6 guys like OB and Burroughs. You know, it's like, are those guys in the long term plans? Um, you know, I think it's 
<clears throat> I, I think it's unlikely that you re-sign like Burroughs, Gilbert, Renouf, and um, they don't sign a lot of HL UFAs, but like Gilbert's an RFA, I could see him coming back. It's, it's like, um, would you sign so Burroughs it, again? Uh, you know, would you sign Renouf again? It's like, you know, those guys obviously now are kind of redundant, and you can, you know, you can make up for them with with Gilbert and. Um, well, like Timmy. I said, they tend to not retain the UFAs, and they'll right. keep the RFAs. Like Sherwood's an RFA, Gilbert, like those guys will definitely be back. They cannot bring back Dries. Cannot, 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 cannot. They cannot bring back Tiny either. Guess They've what? Got to move on from those. Guys. <laughs> yeah, the it's UFA, like Salamaki. Would like Salamaki is a guy I think you could probably get rid of for something. Um, I don't know. This there, like there is your swapsies. If they if they make a swapsies for Miko Salamaki, then we get then we're going to create a role in the Discord called Pick Profit, and we're going to give it to Earl. <laughs> <laughs> right, because it's I... like Salamaki has some NHL background, and you know it's like you could almost see a team like picking him up for extreme depth or something like that. I don't um, know. Maybe I. I wonder if Bowers is the most ripe to go because it it does seem like if they're going to get Bowers. rid of Timmins or even Cout, they might they they'd want like a bigger deal like they'd want to get you know non rental garbage they'd want like an actual player so I don't know if they're ready to do that and, but and like who, we were talking before the show if you're looking at Lieberman and Weiss it's like you probably should sign those guys this year or at least be comfortable with doing that. Um, I, I think Lieberman is a guy that, that, you know, even though Notre Dame wasn't able to play in the um, Frozen Four, you know, he, he's he's known around hockey circles. I think there's probably some value there. You know, do you want to get I something? Don't know. I, I think it's someone that's signed because they're in body in, body out at this point. And... No, I'm talking about getting rid of things they don't need, not trying to get things they might want. I don't remember this well, conversation it's the same at thing. all. I remember talking about food. That was it. <laughs> no, I mean the prospects they've written off is is also something they they want to get rid of. Like with uh, Sampo and Newhook coming in, and they only have so many prospects they're gonna play. Like it's hilarious seeing everyone like dream up like a, a whole power play with. T- I saw someone with a whole power play with Timmins, Newhook, Sampo, Foodie, and Cow, and I just almost fall off the couch because it's just hilarious. To think that that's how it works, and it, it doesn't. And they're not gonna. Nothing's gonna stop them from playing Dries and 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 Tynan and Sherwood and even crap like Salamaki. And it, so the point is, they only have so many prospects slots. Like if they're only willing to dress, probably at most four, someone's got to go. One thing will stop them, and that's not re-signing those guys. So, we probably at this point don't really have time for our Stars and Scratches segment, which is fine because we definitely focus the show a lot more on not the hockey game. So I will do Stars and Scratches real quick. Our first star of the week is Valentushkin for just being consistently there. Yes. And, And our first scratch of the week is collectively the front offices of the San Jose Sharks, Minnesota Wild, and Colorado Avalanche. For wasting everyone's time with this long three-way deal between <coughs> Patterson, Cole, and Dubnik. <laughs> Thank you for making us all just stare at the screen and sigh. 
This week, I do want to give McKinnon credit for finding his shot. I, I think I mentioned it last week. It seemed like he finally was comfortable shooting again. So I was going to give him a star. Yeah, sure. He probably would have been comfortable shooting again in the game yesterday, too, if anybody was comfortable doing anything. <laughs> Which they weren't. This week is Hell Week. Starting Sunday afternoon, Colorado will finish up their last game with the stupid Anaheim, and we don't have to think about them ever again until at least October. Hype. Then on Monday, a home schedule loss to the Arizona Coyotes, 7 o'clock Mountain. That's an Altitude 2 game, which is probably what it will deserve. On Wednesday, the Avs travel to St. Louis to play that scummy team at 5.30 Mountain for some reason on NBC Sportsnet. And then on Friday, it's back home again against the LA Kings, which leaves next week's show on Saturday again. So explain to the people why this week is so bad. It's so bad because... If you really look at their schedule, you ha- you s- you have to see their travel days and their actual days off. I know that P- Peter McNabb loves to call like any day they're not playing a day off. That is not true, first of all. Have so, you ever flown anywhere? Would you call that a day off? <laughs> it also does not count as a day off per the CBA. Is a travel day is not a day off. They're required to have one day off a week. Which you cannot travel on that day, by the way. So, so yeah, it's stupid because, all right, they're already exhausted. They're going to play Anaheim again tomorrow night. Then they're going to immediately fly home, play Arizona. Then they don't get a day off after the back-to-back because they have to play, fly to St. Louis to play one game. They're going to fly back after that game. And then they've been, if it's a late game, they've been waiting till the next day. It's probably a little bit less taxing than getting on a plane and getting in at like 3 a.m. But it just takes away like a whole day off. So since you said that that game is 5.30 Mountain, they probably will come home after that game. But then then their day off this week might have to be that, that Thursday before they play the two games set with L.A., which isn't too bad because then, then there's a day off in between. And then they go on the road again right after that. So they're just going to have like... For a team that already looks like they need time to rest, to pretty much say you will not have one ounce of rest until maybe possibly Thursday. Yeah, good luck with that. They should put beds on the. <laughs> 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 Just maybe some Casper mattresses. They seem to be popular. I mean, yeah, if you listen to a lot of podcasts, they sure do. This is cruel to make them, and I know it's because of like the rescheduling and stuff, but to make them fly home for a back-to-back and then fly out for a one-game, one-off, and then come back is that's insanity. So I wouldn't expect any greatness to come out of this week. Now this this week is going to be a grind, and it doesn't help that three of the teams they're playing are ridiculously close to unwatchable at best, and and LA can also get there. And that assumes no other problems come up between now and then. Just throw that out there. So yeah, we're, we're we're looking for this week to be a mess. Please try to react rationally and reasonably to the mess when it happens. Well, one thing I wanted to bring up was kind of like a a general point is that, like, we've been saying for a couple weeks, this team is really good. And the last time I checked the standings, they were, again, top of the league again. So it's, 
it is this weird spot where they're at, where they are very successful. And it does feel like at this point, just waiting for the playoffs. Like that's where they're going to prove how good they really are. Can they get through the second round? They're probably going to have to beat Vegas to do that. Like it's just kind of waiting for them to prove themselves. And so the rest of the regular season is sort of meaningless, even though they still have to play the games and win most of them. It's not like they can just completely pack it in. So it's weird from that perspective where it, it kind of doesn't matter, but um, but it still does. So as we're recording right now, Colorado are first in the league, but they will probably be passed by at least two teams tonight. Because Carolina plays Detroit and Toronto plays Ottawa. And they're uh, one point well, back. Yeah. But yeah, they're still but, class of the league. Yeah, so I mean, there is a lot to be like proud and excited about. And like, even though they played dumb this week, they still won two out of three of the games. And <laughs> so we do want to like keep that perspective that this team is trying to gear up for a long playoff run. It's just the things to them that they seem to think matter. on the PK and they still might. won two out of three. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> Sheesh. I, I still don't <laughs> see them fixing things that I think will matter in the playoffs, like, you know, the power play and playing bums and overtaxing your your top guys. Like I don't I don't haven't seen them try to solve those problems. So it it is just waiting for mid May at this point. So it should afford them time to try different things, play different players. Yeah, we'll see about that. That's ambitious. I yeah. know. I think they'll get four points out of this week just because most of their competition is crap. Um, I'm even willing to give them an overtime loss in there as well, so maybe five? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to imagine them losing. I, I guess, you know, if St. Louis is really on the rebound, if, you know, if that 26-5 to five win over the Wild they just had... 26-5? to five? <laughs> <laughs> If that was a real thing, then you know maybe they, you know maybe they are bouncing back or whatever. Um, but it's like I, you know I, I can't see them losing to the Ducks. I can't see them losing to Arizona. Um, oh, I, I think the Kings will be a good game, uh, but it just the Kings can't score. That's their big problem right now. If they could, they'd be solidly in a playoff spot. So you know it's like they could take eight points out of this week. As, as heinous as it is, it wouldn't be all that surprising. I no, I wouldn't be surprised. No, I mean they they've shown that yeah. they can go and and win five six in a row multiple times. But the Ducks looks like they packed it in. Maybe everyone's worried about the deadline. So if they show up at all tomorrow, they should be able to win that. Arizona's tough because Dav should definitely be exhausted that day. And Arizona has something to play for. Like they're a legitimate chance to get in the playoffs. And it is weird after such a beatdown playing another playing the team again, right? Because <laughs> they remember that. Yeah. <laughs> but the Avs have played pretty well against Arizona for the most part, so. Yeah, they've solved that puzzle. They they probably <laughs> should win that one too. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, game in St. Louis does feel like a loss. Just yeah, that that would be, be the least travel. surprising of of the of the games turned into a loss. So they'll probably stick a Brazil on St. Louis and lose the other three. <laughs> uh they uh yeah losing three in a week i mean poof 
You you remember how pissed Bednar would be? They lost three. Three in a week. Oh my god. He was mad even after that uh, Minnesota game. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, mean, it's good to have a high standard. They should be held to a high standard, but it's just... It's getting to a really weird part of the the season, I guess. Yeah, well, maybe try playing your better penalty killers and you have a better result in that game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think five is the sweet spot. I think it's actually going to be more. Um, So I'm going to go with six points. Hmm. I'll go seven. Which is a yeah, touch I'm... optimistic for me, but Jeez, I'm the I'm the negative one this time, okay. I'll I'll take it. <laughs> Just fine. I don't even really optimistic, but Yeah. I'll go with and I'll seven. qualify that by saying that any game Dubnik starts I'm gonna call as a loss anyway. Even if they win? That, that was well, no. I mean, I just I would expect them to lose. <clears throat> well, that, that's how we felt about JoJo too, and he just got a shutout. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, last night I was like, all right, you're gonna play Liam O'Brien, Kyle Burrows, Middleton, and JoJo, <laughs> all at the even same it, time. Even though it's against the Ducks, can't see, see winning that one. Comes up. <laughs> In their favor. Like, when we're like, oh, this this is just complete stupidity, and then they usually win it, so we're like, oh, you know. Yeah. And then the next night, then they'll lose when, with, like, Grubauer. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I would hope the guys are getting lots of rest today and be refreshed and ready to go tomorrow after. Lucky. Boy, did you oh, ever just cut out there on my end. Um <laughs> But, the wind was howling here. Yeah, I, I definitely <laughs> am a big fan of the matinee games. Although uh, you, you would think that California may, you know, start a little bit earlier than two in the afternoon. Pretty weird. But or is it three in the afternoon? Three, I think. I think it's three. Just yeah. a, just an awkward, weird start time. So, whatever. If it was earlier, we could have done this show tomorrow instead of today and actually had a full season se- uh, like a full series to to talk about at once instead of having to talk about the ducks twice <laughs> you know, well, at least we're done team. with the ducks well yeah we'll- next week we'll be done with the ducks and we'll be done with the coyotes what a wonderful world it will be and the wild we're done with the wild now yeah but i don't mind playing them they're they're at least watchable it's it just feels good to kind of tie a bow on some of this stuff just be done with it yep so get ready for all the games against san jose and st louis and uh the st louis part starts on wednesday but i would i will invite you all real fun doesn't begin until the week after (laughs) right and i'll invite you all to join us in this wonderful post anaheim post arizona world next week Imagine playing like every team in the league during a season. That would be so cool. (laughs) They should try that. I hope so.